I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it's going to fall on good ground. We thank you it's going to reap an eternal harvest. We love you. We praise you, God, for just the freedom to be able to congregate, to worship you. We know in many places in the world, Lord, we wouldn't be able to do this. And so we thank you for the liberty just to praise you without being shut down and persecuted. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome to church. Are you excited about the word? Yes. You should be excited about the word because the word is the beginning of all things. Amen. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was made flesh and dwelled among us. So we want to just talk to you about conversing with God. So we, we're going to talk from the topic of hello. Some of you say hello. Some of you just do that. Some of you like peace, but hello, hello, talking with God, talking with God. There's an old song. We don't sing much anymore. But maybe you know it. It goes like this. Now, let us have a little talk with. All right. Let us tell him all about our. You got to be more convincing than that. He will hear our faintest. He will answer by and. And when you feel a little prayer wheel. Turning. And when. And you will know a little fire is burning. Find a little talk with Jesus. Does what? Makes it right. Say, a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now, if I could keep on rhythm, I would sing it for you. And if I could keep on key, I would try. But seeing that I can't do either, we'll just speak it. Hallelujah. So I was trying to prepare for this. And we had a dramatic weekend this weekend because uh, heaven woke up with a kind of a crooked neck that made her look more like she had scoliosis than a crooked neck. And so, you know, I couldn't get to study on Friday because she was in pain and she kept crying all through the day. And for you, most of you think like, oh, well, she's just crying. No, she don't cry though. You know, so when somebody's crying, she doesn't really cry. You know, she's fractured parts of her body, broken wrists and stuff. She didn't cry for none of those. But she was crying yesterday, uh, on Friday. So, you know, we were trying to get her fixed. She's still not all the way fixed all the way. But so yesterday I was like... Pastor, you know, I was like, okay, the second parent, the second parent, they, they need to rise up now. Okay? They need to, Wanda Twin Powers, activate shape of parent. So I asked him to take her to the, to the doctor on Saturday, and so he took her, and then lo and behold, I was left with Landon, Alexander, Connor. I thought I should have taken the shape of parent. Because no matter where I went, this little flea kept following me. You know, for whatever strange reason, when you close the bathroom door, that's a signal. That is really a signal to stay, stay away from us. But no, that is their cue. Bother them, bother them, knock, knock. So no matter where I went, so I just resigned and so I just sat in the bed there because I knew nothing was going to happen. For the next two hours, and I say this, the next two hours, Landon nonstop spoke. He talked to himself. He talked to the game. Oh, no, you policeman. 
You're not going to get me. Oh, I'm hiding. I'm hiding. Oh, you think you're a stingray? Well, I have my octopus ink. Right, mom? Okay. And so then he talks to himself so much that he says, you know, I'm talking to myself so much. I forgot what I just said. And I said, Landon, in all of the United States of America, that there's no greater truth. You are talking too much. And so I began to realize we're always talking or we're always in a conversation. Either the devil is talking to us, we're talking to ourselves, either trying to build ourselves up or we're talking ourselves out of something or someone's talking to us or we're talking just our thoughts are talking. We're just always in conversation. But are we in the right conversation? Are we in a productive conversation? Are we in a conversation that makes sense? And God wants me to tell you that just a little talk with Jesus will make it right. We're talking to the neighbors. We're talking to our boss. We're talking to our friends. We're talking to ourselves. But he wants to know, can you find time for just a little talk with him to make it right? Turn to Mark 4, Mark 5. Turn to Mark 5. Mark 5. So we're going to kind of just walk through chapter 4 and 5 real quick, but you stay in chapter 5. Between chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Mark, we walk through four conversations in the day of Jesus. One life in the day, uh, one day in the life of Jesus. And so he walks through four conversations. He starts out in chapter 4, he's on a boat, he's by the shore, he speaks all these parables and these amazing things, and then he leaves and goes into the sea, and a storm comes. The disciples are with him, and the disciples say, they don't say, hey Jesus, what's up, how you doing, we all in the storm together, no, no, that's not what they do. They see Jesus sleeping and they go, so you want us to die? You don't care that we're going to die? That's the first conversation that they start out with. Now, they're in a desperate situation because they, the boat has now been filled and Jesus is asleep. And some of you are in storms that you feel that Jesus is asleep. And you believe that just because there's a storm, that means Jesus should come in and stop the storm. But you don't realize that Jesus cannot interrupt or intervene where there's no invitation. So you're over there, God, don't you see what's going on? You're over there whining and crying and complaining, but you're not communicating with him. You're complaining, but not communicating. You're complaining, but not communicating. You're asking him to intervene by osmosis. By hoping that he feels sorry for you. That he sees what's going on. And you're telling everybody else. But you're yet to go to him and have a little talk with Jesus. And so he, the disciples talk to him and say, you know, don't you, do you care that we're going to die? They've already resigned to dying. And Jesus speaks to the winds and waves and the storm stops. And he says, y'all have no faith. So he gets off of the boat and gets to the demoniac. So the first people he speaks to is the disciples. The second person he speaks to is the demoniac. And some of you may say, well, Pastor Sarah, I'm not possessed like the demoniac. (laughs) You think? Some of you got multiple personalities. 
I mean, I don't know. I'm turning like 45 and I think on Friday I had several personalities with heaven because I did not understand. There's nothing I could do. I could not help her. Okay? So I'm frustrated, not at her. I'm frustrated that I cannot just fix her. And she's frustrated because she's in pain and she's not trying to front. But I don't know what to do with her. And I don't know why she's asking only one parent when she has two. You know, so when you feel like, so in the morning I was at peace, then at one o'clock I'm like, ah, and then four o'clock I'm like at peace and five o'clock. So I'm not possessed, but I'm near, 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 near the border. And I'm just telling you that the demoniac, I've been that place where you have many conversations with yourself, by yourself, for yourself and to yourself. I don't know if you've had some of those. But everybody abandons you because you just, you just, you're just not in your right mind. You're going through and it don't make sense and they, there's nothing they can do for you. So they just kind of, kind of abandon you. And so Jesus goes to the demoniac as a certain, the second person and he speaks to him. But then, you know, there is a, there's a desperate woman was a third person that he spoke to and she had an issue of blood and you know about her and she cried out for help. And you've been in that place where you go, if Jesus don't help me, nobody can help me. I don't know if you've had that situation. <laughs> Hello. And then I've been like the determined father with a dying situation, crumbling at the thought of everything I hold dear dying. All in these situations, there were conversations with Jesus. And I remember a time when Landon was just born. And, you know, you know the story about Landon where he really is a miracle baby and we didn't have the hardware to have him, you know, but we prayed and we believed and you can see, see that on my social media, all the stories, and you can see that in previous messages, but he was now born and we were in the labor and delivery room and Pastor Evan is in there and Pastor Che. And you're like, well, Pastor Sarah, why Pastor Che in there? Because Pastor Che is a calm in the storm. Pastor Evan is not built for labor and delivery. So I needed my brother who I knew was going to be even killed in there because Pastor Evan is in there driving up my pressure. Oh no, sweet. Ooh, sweet. Oh my God, his head's so big. What you going to do, sweet? How, how he going to get out of there, sweet? Uh, Dr. Walker, Dr. Walker, what, what y'all going to do? Ooh, sweet. Hold it, hold it, sweet. Hold him in. I can't hold him in, babe. He is to come out. So when I tell you, I was like, babe, just hold, can you leave? Can you leave? I'm not leaving. I'm the dad. So, so what? Can you just exit? He was stressing me. You understand? So I had to just look over there in the corner, pass the chair, just in the chair, just calm as I just had to just focus on him because I could not listen to pass the heaven. So the big old juicy baby comes out eight pounds, 12 ounces. I was thinking, oh my God. Okay. He jumps out and then, well, he didn't jump out. See? <laughs> had lots of epidurals. I've been just telling you. Had epidural at two centimeters, three centimeters, four cent. Look at here. The minute it rubbed off, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. I was ready. So then we have the baby now, and the nurse comes. Now, in this whole labor and delivery process, my blood pressure is at 117 over like 70 something. It's fine. It's normal. Even in the labor and delivery, you know. Hello. It don't move. But the minute. Baby drops out, goes into the, wherever they take the babies. And then 
They say the baby is shaking because he's not getting enough to eat. Do you, did you have gestational diabetes? No. Does he have diabetes? How I must know. He just came out. (laughs) But am I a prophet? I don't know. My blood pressure rises. The baby is shaking. The baby is shaking. You know, things are not going to my plan because I believe in breastfeeding. Now they're talking about I have to give him a bottle. Oh my God. I'm like, no. And then, you know, my blood pressure is going up. It rises to 138. No. But then they come and they say, well, you know, we, I mean, not even within the same day, they didn't even give me a break. Well, he's failed a hearing test. He can't hear. What? Blood pressure went from 138 to like 150 something. Then they said, we have to take him to the NICU. What? The NICU, we got to take him there. He's got to stay over. No, I'm at 160 something. I'm over there stressing. Babe, he's like, babe, you know, um, God didn't bring you this far to leave you now. Whatever he started, he'll finish. He's the author and finish of your faith. And I'm going, wah, 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 wah. I can't hear nothing he's saying. My baby in the NICU. My baby in the NICU. Oh, my God. Pastor Chase, like, Sarah, it's going to be okay. No, God is with you. I'm talking to everybody but Jesus. And my blood pressure keep rising because those they're there to help me. They can't help Landon. The person that can heal Landon is a person I'm not speaking to. And some of you are speaking to everybody but Jesus. You calling up on the phone and saying, hello. And he's saying, is it me you're looking for? I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your smile. You're all I've ever wanted. My arms they're open wide. So turn to Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Let's pick up there. Let's pick up there because some of you have been in those storms. Some of you have been in those desperate situations. Some of you don't know where to turn. But Jesus wants to talk to you this morning. Verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship onto the other side, much people gathered onto him and he was nigh onto the sea. In other words, he was on the boat, you know, on the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And he besought him greatly saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray you come and lay hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. So Jairus has a situation. What do you do when your promise looks like it's going to die? You know, a child represents a promise, a hope for the future. The best of what you think you could become. All the things you've learned, you want to put into this promise and let it outlive you and do better than you've done. But what happens when that promise looks like it's about to die? This guy, Jairus, was very important. He was a leader in the synagogue, a big community leader. He would have been the person to lead the prayers in the synagogue and to do the reading of the word in the synagogue. And and so Jairus was a person who helped to lead others to know about God. But here is the first time you actually see him having a conversation with one. And so here it is. He comes to Jesus and he falls at his feet. The very first thing when you're going to have a conversation with Jesus is to remember that Jesus hears the humble, not the perfect. 
you and I sometimes don't decide to go to Jesus because we are ashamed to come to him. We know we shouldn't be cussing, but we still do. So when it's time to talk to Jesus, we kind of nervous. Because we don't know if we're going to cuss and talk. Jesus, I'm tired of this. Oh, Jesus, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, Jesus. If I kill her one more time, I do Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So we know that we're prone to cuss and talk. So we kind of don't want to come and ask Jesus anything because we think we have to have perfect speech. So we don't want to talk to him. We'll talk to our cousin friends so we can fully let it out. Just let it out. Then we come back and try and hit Jesus up. We think we're per- we need to be perfect. We think everything needs to be in order because then maybe he will hear us if we have it together. But the truth is, Jairus, you know, he seemed that he was the person to get his prayer answers. You know, he seemed like he had it together. But it wasn't in his togetherness that caused Jesus to hear him. It was in his untogetherness. When he collapsed at his feet and decided, you know what? I don't care what I look like. I don't care what my position is. I'm going to drop and roll. Jesus, help me. If it had been me, oh my gosh. You know, Jairus is on there probably like this. Jesus, help me. I'd have been like, Jesus, help, help, Jesus, 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 Jesus. That would have been me. You couldn't have stopped me from, from, I mean, I'd have been all over him. I don't, some of y'all are too embarrassed to talk to Jesus, but however I can get him, I'm going to need Jesus on the mainland because I got to tell him what I want. So here it is. Jesus talks to Jairus. So verse 24, and Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, certain woman, she didn't have no name. She wasn't important. You know, she was kind of like on the backside of stuff. She'd been struggling long. You know, sometimes when you have a problem for so long, people just stop listening to you. You know that to be true. Your marriage been suffering so long. So you, you know, you tell your friend, Ooh, so and so. And they go again, same problem. Is the same husband you with? Oof. Girl, please. You've been doing that for 10 years, whatever. They don't want to hear you. They do not want to hear prolonged problems. So she became just a certain woman. She had a problem for 12 years. She just was a certain woman. Nobody really cared. And she had suffered many things and many physicians. Nobody cares. And she had spent all the money she had. Nobody cared. And nothing was better, but it rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I will be made whole. No, the difference is this. God is carrying Jairus through a journey with the encounter with Jesus. So Jairus starts out and he says, maybe my daughter will get healed. You see, he knew about God, but he had never had an intimate relationship with him to know God. So he hoped that Jesus could heal him. But this woman here, who was just a certain woman with her prolonged illness, she knew Jesus was healer. There's a difference between hope and faith. There's a difference between wishing God will help and knowing he will. There's a difference between anticipating, maybe you'll feel sorry for me, and knowing. 
knowing that he doesn't operate on sorry feelings. He operates on faith. And he was trying to take Jairus from this place of so-so to this place of you knowing. And so we see it as an interruption. We see it as, oh my gosh, her daughter, his daughter is more urgent. She's dying. This chick has been having this problem for 12 years. Hey, you can wait another year. You've held on this long. Jesus, why would you stop for her? He didn't stop for her. He stopped for Jairus. So that Jairus could see. I need you to move from a maybe to you know. I'm going to show you that if I can heal this woman right here, your daughter is just a matter of time. And sometimes you and I get jealous at the progress of other people. And we get jealous at the blessings of other people because we see it as an interruption to our own blessings. We act as if Jesus has some kind of limited supply. That if he heal her, then there's none in, not enough for me. If he bless him, he don't have that thousand cattle. I mean, Lord, you took that blessing, that means you've got 999 cattle left. Lord, Lord, you blessed her too. Okay, I'm counting. That's my, that's five of my friends. There's only 995 cattle left. Do you think Jesus have like a bank account? Like there's withdrawals and, 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 and he can go into the negative. But he don't operate like that. Straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said, these disciples are, they're special. Let me tell you something. I would have made an awesome disciple. Because they talk just like me. I am always like on the front side of foolishness. So the disciples said, check it out. You see these multitudes around you and you're asking who touched you? I mean, they have no manners. The first time, you remember they talk about, you don't care, we're going to die? Now this time they talk about, what do you mean somebody touched you? You don't, you don't see all these people around you, somebody touched you? Who are these disciples? You think that they work, that Jesus worked for them? Attitude, attitude. And he looked around, he just ignored the attitude. That's what I'm saying, even with your attitude, you can have a conversation with Jesus. He, 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 have to, he, you know, he, he got grace for that. And his disciples said to him, and he looked around, verse 32, to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, a second falling down. You see a pattern here? We want to stand up and talk to Jesus. And he's saying, you need to, you need to get low, though. You need to get low. And the, she told him all the truth. So if you go have a conversation with Jesus, can you just tell him the truth? You over there, Lord, I just want you to deliver me from smoking. I just had two cigarettes today. Okay, well, three. All right, God, with three packs. I really meant three packs. All right, Lord, you know what? Let's just not even talk about that. Let's move on to something else. No, you have to come with all your foolishness. If you're going to get help, you can't hide. You got to explain to him. 
She's the Bible says she told him all the truth. Jesus, it was me. I was touching you. You know, I was running behind the little disciples. Them, you know, they tried to block me. You know how they do. You know, they just kind of put a force shield around you. But I made my way, Jesus. And you know, then I was embarrassed because you know I've been having this stuff for twelve years and nobody really cared about me. And I just saw you and I was like, shoot, you know, forget this. I'm done. I gotta reach out and touch somebody's hand. Make this world a better place if you can. This is this is this is her. You just got to drop your drawers with Jesus. I was going to Jesus. I said, Jesus, it's me. The envious, bitter, jealous, angry, frustrated one. It's me. Yes, I'm the angry, whitish looking woman. It's me. You know. That's kind of how you do it. Yeah. He understand. He understand your language. Some of us need to tell Jesus the whole truth instead of everybody else. You know what I'm saying? No, because you talk about your friend and you tell them everything about your husband. I mean, you tell them everything. Girl, I can't stand. And then you go into your list. And then he come and say, your phone, you know, the phone ring. This is what the guys do. I don't even get you all with this. Phone ring. Uh, my old lady. Who are you calling old lady? My old lady calling. It's not your grandma calling or your mama calling. This is your wife calling. So please drop the hole out. You're my old lady. We do not like that term, okay? Holler. My old lady calling me. Man, you know, you know, I, shoot, my wife come in. Sometimes y'all be blaming us for stuff. You know, we're not even involved. You're just using us as a cop out. You're not even telling the truth. Child, I got to go home. You know, she's she not going to like that. We don't even know you having this conversation. Anyway, tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help you God. Straightway she got healed. All right, so verse 34. She says, he says to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and blah, blah, blah. Verse 35. Now remember, Jairus is a person who started the conversation, right? We're still in the Jairus conversation. He comes and is talking to this girl here now. And while he's talking to her, it says that there came from a ruler of the synagogue's house. And he said, thy daughter is dead. Your promise is dead. Your dream is dead. It's not going to work. Forget it. Don't make no more efforts. Why are you bothering the master any further? Cut your conversation short with him. Let him on his way. And some of you feel like that. I'm going to stop bugging Jesus. I'm going to stop asking God. I don't see it happening. It's not happening right now. It seems dead. It seems it's not going to exist. And if you are not careful, negative, unnecessary people will come and discourage you from your conversation with Jesus. And your dream will surely die because you're not speaking life into it. And you're not putting it before God. You've got to keep it in front of him. Keep it in front of him. Keep it in front of him. And Jesus just manned up on her and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He stopped speaking to the girl and he said, don't be afraid. Only believe. If Jesus is willing to marshal those conversations that you're having with him, don't you think you need to marshal those conversations yourself? And so it says here, be not afraid, only believe. You see, it's not the desperate or the deserving, but the doubtless that get results. You can be desperate and go to Jesus. You can even be deserving because of the blood of Jesus. But if you have doubt in your heart, it's going to interrupt your conversation. And so because Jairus went all the way there yet, 
Jesus had an interruption for him. Build up his faith. When we were, when we were um, believing God for the loan on our property, it seemed like, it wasn't seem, it's a fact. Bank after bank after bank was denying us. One reason or the other. You all too young. Then we got old enough. Then the market crashed. Well, now you need 30%. Who needs 30%? If you had 30%, if you had $1.5 million cash, do you think we need a loan? We just bill and go. So it didn't make sense. After, after, after. The 10th bank, the 12th bank. Just this opportunity, that opportunity. All in this time. There were different people that we knew, different churches, different pastors, and they were building and they were getting their loans and they, you know what I mean? And you see it happening. And I watched because I, again, remember I'm the one that, that I'm the one before God going, okay, my, I don't have no faith right now. My faith is at negative five. I'm going to need like a top up. Can I get some faith on credit? I mean, can I borrow some faith? Most time I'll be riding on pastor's faith because I'm thinking like, oh, <laughs> that's funny. Well, how's that going to work? Okay. I don't say that to him. I just be like, yes, babe, we'll be leaving together. But inside I'm going, okay, you're a nut, but I'm going to follow you. Okay. Stuck now. You know, but, you know, so, so I watched him and uh, I remember him. You know, rejoicing with other pastors. And I'm thinking, this is something. That's amazing. Your heart is so pure. <laughs> You're just, just such a pure spiritual man of God. Wow. I'm thinking, I, I'm going to move my membership to theirs. <laughs> you know, but, you know, and I remember him rejoicing. I mean, like, really, like, genuinely happy, you know? Yeah. And he was sowing into their projects and you know, excited for them. And then he'd be at home and he'd say, God, you are not a respecter of persons. What you do for one in principle, you must do for another. You know, God, you're not a respecter of persons. A son falls on the just and on the unjust. If you do it for them, it's only a matter of time. You're going to do it for me. Lord, I call in that thing. I sowed my seed. I mean, he just was not wavering. You know, I mean, he was just, he did not see their blessing as something being taken from him. He saw it as evidence that God was still able. He saw it as evidence that God could still heal. He saw it as evidence that God could still provide. He saw it as evidence that God still heard. God still moved. God still was God. And you and I can't see the blessing of somebody else and be intimidated by it. We've got to see it as evidence that God is able. That God is real. That God is powerful. So when your friend gets a breakthrough, you get to show for them. Whoa! God, you're still alive. You see your friend get the part, you go, what you saying? I'm so excited for you because you know that you're sowing seeds into your own future. So you don't need to be jealous or envious. And we're closing. Verse 37, and he suffered no man to follow him except Peter, James, and John. Verse 38, and he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. So now he's gotten to the house. And he saw all the chaos and them that were weeping and wailed greatly. Now you have to understand that you could hire mourners. I just don't understand how the girl, the girl just keel over, right? She just died. And then all of a sudden, all this wailing party is happening there. I mean, like a bunch of them already happened, right? So here it is. And he says, um, they're crying. Verse 39. And when he came in, he said to them, why are you making all this fuss? And why are you crying? Okay, Jesus, okay. You weren't here. 
Little girl was sleeping. Then she was struggling. Then she got a fever. Then she's dying. Then she's dead. So our natural response, Jesus, is for us to cry. We, we know you don't have that response because you weren't here. You weren't here with us through the night. You didn't see all the struggle. We're crying because she's dead. So he comes and he says, you're making all this fuss. So it's kind of like rebuking. Ah, oh, you hurt my feelings. You hurt my feelings, Jesus. How could you say that? Pastor Sarah, how could you be so mean? Okay, let me ask you this. So you set an appointment. We come to the appointment already. And you, you we, have, we only have an hour. We don't have all week. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? We, we set an appointment. We don't have three, four hours just to kick it. <laughs> all right, that's a different day. That's like Saturday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We got set appointments. You come in and you want to spend the whole hour crying. Now, if you want to spend the whole hour crying, I will allow you to cry for the whole hour. But we're not going to get nothing done. So you'll be like, well, Pastor Sarah, you're so mean. You need to empathize with me. Uh, we have one appointment. We don't have a series. This is not Roots. This is not Mission Impossible. Where we can go Mission Impossible 6, 7, 8. This is not that. So we have a limited time. So we can cry about it or we can be about it. So Jesus was like, you're crying when you should be doing. And he says, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. I know you'll seem like it's dead. You promise seem like it's dead. It's not dead. It's just sleeping. It just needs some vocal cords to talk to it. Verse 40. And they laughed him to scorn. I mean, okay. Note the people were crying and wailing. They were wailing. Ooh, ooh. And they laughed him to scorn. <laughs> How you do that? Bipolar? I'm telling you. But then this is the boss move that Jesus makes. But when he had put them out, some things you just got to kick out your life. And you need to stop putting up with what you should be putting out. You need to put out some of this foolishness. That you've been putting up with. All these negative people on your job. Why are you still going out to lunch with them? You need their approval that much? Well, I don't want to be the only one in the group not going. Be the only one. Every time you meet with them, they're talking about you. They're making you feel bad. They're tearing you down. Jet. He takes the father and the mother with them and enters the house where she was sleeping. And he took the damsel by the hand and said, Talitha Kumi, which is meaning... Damsel, I say to you, arise. And straightway she rose up. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. Third thing, a conversation with Jesus will change you instead of containing you. It will change you. Why is this so important? In the book of Acts, verse 9. Remember, Peter, James, and John went with Jesus into this situation. Jesus, everything was very intentional. And so what you think is holding up your time, what you think is just a a stop, what you think is an interruption, is really a setup for your faith. Because the whole time, remember, they started out in the storm and they were talking about, you want us to die. Then the lady with the blood and he's talking about, how are you going to know? How are you going to know? How are you going to know? But by the time they got into that room, they witnessed the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Those disciples... In the book of Acts, Peter now says to Tabitha, the same words, Tabitha, arise. Everything is building your faith. But you've got to have a conversation with Jesus. You have got to realize to put people out 
and things out that are not necessary to your faith actions. You have got to draw a firm circle around yourself and only have those people in there that are building and encouraging, pushing you forward and cut out the unnecessary interruptions in your life. He put them out for a reason. Because he knew the power of the spoken word. And when you have a power of a negative word, it will choke the faith on the inside of you. So you've got to answer that thing back with the power of the positive word of God. And then recognize that when you go to a conversation with Jesus, you go in desperation. You go with humility. And you go knowing that you will be changed. You know that when you come back out of it, you will not be the same. When you come out of it, you can raise dead things. When you come out of it, you will not be who you were when you went into it. You cannot just have a devotion. You have to have a desperate change. You can read your devotion in the morning, but if you do not come out of that conversation change, you just did your duty. You did not have a conversation. You did not have an encounter. Get beyond just chit-chatting with Jesus and get to the point of communicating with him. Amen? So as we get ready to pray, I want you to know when you're on mission, you have to understand people won't always understand what you're believing for. It is beyond their faith capacity at the moment. Why are you trying to get agreement from people who are not qualified to agree with you because their faith is not at that level? I did a post on my Instagram that talked about that. Why are you upset at what my faith has produced? It's according to your faith. If you didn't believe for it, that's why you don't have it. That's not my fault. But you want to be upset as if my blessing is taken away yours. No, I'm on a faith journey. And what I'm believing for, I'm believing for. And what you see manifested is what I'm believing for. And you can manifest that in your own life. Whatever you want. But we have to stop giving credibility to people who only know how to criticize. Start having talks with the unlimited God instead of limited people. They can only give you based on their wisdom. They can only give you based on their experience. But God can tap into the supernatural and give you a strategy, give you a connection, give you a start, give you something that you wouldn't otherwise know. Jeremiah 33.3 says this, Call on me and I will answer. And I will show you great and mighty things to come. So God wants to meet your desperate needs this morning. But he can't do that without an invitation. Without a conversation. Be determined to change. Be determined to go and do. So I want to encourage us this week. Monitor the conversations that we're having to ourselves. If you're having a conversation with yourself and it's against the word of God, cut it out. Put it out. If you're having a conversation with somebody else, put it out. This is a put out week, house cleaning week. It's summer. Your Christianity don't get to take a summer break. Some people believe Christianity and their Christian life is on the school schedule. Summer, we're going to let go. We're going to have our bikini body and post on Facebook. Please don't. Because everybody's bikini body is relative. 
some people have bikini bodies and it's okay if you want to make it two separate poses but when you try to make it as one pose and you are a believer we are not interested in seeing all your tattoos from your finger here all here with son of god and everything all we don't want to see on it have a conversation with jesus and he would tell you put that clothes on it is frightening the rest of facebook <laughs> with every head bowed and every eye closed father we just thank you today that you're calling us to communicate with you you're calling us to talk with you so i'm going to invite you i'm going to make an invitation to you today just as god is asking you to invite him in i'm asking you to invite him in there are four things i want to pray for today one if you've never accepted jesus christ as your personal lord and savior i want to invite you to do that today i want you to Start the conversation with Jesus.